glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. If you got your popcorn ready. I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Over the tackle of the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. Another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast, proud members of Full Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTF Podnet on Twitter. You can find me at Sports Fanatic MB on Twitter, and you can find my co-host for the day, Mr. Matthew Fox, at Nighthawk seven seven three four on Twitter. We are just one of a bunch of great podcasts on this network. Some of which are Jim Day of FF Champs, Adam Ronis, and Doctor Roto from Sirius XM Radio. You have. Mr. Bob Lung of the award-winning Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, Dwayne McFarlane and Blake Sullivan, and a ton of great other podcasts. You can find all of them on FullTimeFantasy.com, your one-stop shop for all of your fantasy news, advice, and strategies. We are also extremely excited to be partnering with ExpandTheBoxScore.com. They have some of the best stats, not even some of the, they have the best stats in all of the industry. You can find them on Twitter at XTBOScore. You also can do the hashtag WeGotStats, which is what they do, and they have some of the best stats. All that stuff you see me posting on college football, I get all of my stats from them. Again, one of, one of the best sites. They have NFL stats, baseball stats, and they're bringing basketball here soon. $15 for a year membership. That's right, just $15. And if you use our code ROUNDTABLE, you get 10% off some of the best stats in the industry. So check them out. It is well worth your time and money. For today's podcast, Matt is joining me. We'll jump him on here in just a second as we're going to break down seven of the games from week seven. Most of the early afternoon games, we will do the rest of those on Tuesday. So let's get Matt in here and talk about some of the games that we saw yesterday. <laughs> All right, and we are back for our Monday show. We've got Mr. Matthew Fox joining us today. Matt, how was your uh, weekend, and how was your fantasy weekend? Uh, my weekend was uh, pretty good after we got past uh, the Denver debacle. Uh, <laughs> fantasy kind of up and down. It was a weird week seven um, for games, so it was a weird week seven for fantasy. Some were good, some were, uh, that I thought were going to be good were not good. Yeah, I actually for once had a very surprisingly good week of fantasy, which was which was interesting to me. I'm I'm winning right now. I still have a couple games up in the air. I have four of them up in the air. Uh, but right now I'm actually winning in 24 of them. So this has by far been my best fantasy week for some reason. Uh, and it's the best week for the Browns as well, too. That offense and defense were just stellar this weekend. I had no issues with anything the play calling was doing or anything like that. So it was definitely a good weekend for me, too. I'm not a... Definitely not looking forward to the Browns next weekend because I feel like that's going to be a bad news. On the Browns, though, Kareem Hunt did get cleared uh, for practice, so that means he's likely going to be ready to go Week 10, which I think is just going to cause even more issues for that offense. Let's see here. So today's show, we're going to break down seven of Week 7's games. We will do the rest of them on tomorrow, so let's jump in and start talking about the games from Sunday. First and 10 at the Lions 29, and Prescott goes screen right, 
Elliott down the right side to the 25, to the 20, to the 10. Elliott to the pylon. Zeke Elliott, touchdown. 38 on the screen. Second down at 10, takes the snap, gives it, Chubb runs, he's in the 15, he's in the 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, there goes Chubb, he's in the 30, 20, 10, 5, touchdown, Chubb, a love a hub! 92 yards! from Adam. Case on a deep drop. Steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side. Caught by Diggs. Stay oh my God! Oh my God! The first one that we've got going on here was probably a game that frustrated a lot of fantasy owners, and that is the Arizona Cardinals and the New York Giants. If you guys listened to Friday's show with me and Dennis, I told you guys that I felt comfortable starting Chase Edmonds in a flex role. That was not over David Johnson, but he did play over David Johnson. We still... uh haven't really gotten official word what was wrong. I know Cliff Kingsbury had an interview today where he said David Johnson just didn't feel right and that he was going to play in emergency. It would have obviously been wonderful if they would have told us that ahead of time as David Johnson goes out there, gets one carry for two yards, and then that is pretty much it. As Chase Edmonds goes out and gets 27 carries, 126 yards, three touchdowns, adds 24 yards on two catches in this one to come in as running back one on the week with 35 points. Kyler Murray struggled in this one a little bit. Again, most of that, I think, just due to how much they were running the ball. Twenty. Uh, let's see here. He did have 28 yards on 10 carries, threw the ball 14 to 21 and 104 yards, coming in at QB 24 with 10.4 points. Uh, and then really outside of Edmonds, nobody did anything here. I mean, Farrell Cooper led the receiving group here with 29 yards on four catches. Larry Fitzgerald just one catch on 12 yards, finishing his wide receiver 85 with 2.2 points. I know you are very frustrated with this whole David Johnson and and Chase Edmonds thing as we talked about it a little bit um here before we started recording. What I mean, what what exactly I guess the the question is, I'll just word it as I, as I had it here. Are we are we worrying about DJ now? Is this back injury something to seriously worry about moving forward? I th- think it is and i think so you know going through uh a lot of this season we've seen him on the injury report and we've seen him questionable game time decision uh and he gets to go just like he did on sunday where he's declared active and he's had a fairly full workload and i can understand a guy going out um and getting hurt and getting replaced you know those kind of things happen obviously you know we saw that with patrick mahomes on thursday night but i thought our friend dennis made an interesting comment in our twitter chat we were going back and forth um you know the cardinals official account of course taunting everyone saying you should have played chase edmonds which was kind of a dick move considering the situation and then kingsbury afterwards saying well johnson was only active for an emergency situation 
Yeah, but now I don't believe you because Johnson came out on the first drive of the game and the second play of the game, you gave him the ball and he carried one time for two yards. So did he think he was going to be able to go and he ran a play and was like, no, I'm out. I shouldn't be doing this. You know, be honest. If that's what happened, that's what happens. Don't troll your fans and say, hey, you should have been playing this guy. He's so great. We all knew he was going to have a great day. And afterwards say, well, David was just in there for emergencies. Dennis raised a great point in our in our group, said if he was out there just for an emergency, why does he get the first carry of the game? Yeah. What was emergent about play two? You know, so something about it doesn't jive. And I think the real danger going forward is not whether or not he's going to be banged up and this is going to linger, because I think those kind of things, especially a back injury, you know, that's the kind of nebulous thing that can linger. It's how do we trust this Cardinals backfield at all, period? How do you trust, you know, this This was a big violation of kind of trust, either the way they handled it beforehand or the way they're talking about it in the aftermath. Yeah, I mean, I think regardless, unless... I just don't see any team has so much RB depth that they can't play David Johnson. So I feel like, unfortunately, as much as it screwed people this weekend, you kind of have to throw him out there and hope that he is going to be okay, obviously, unless they come out and say, hey, he's not okay. He's not playing anymore. And and I'll go back to what I said on Friday's podcast. I still feel, depending on what you have, it's a flex option. Fine throwing Chase Edmonds out there. I don't know if it's a DJ back thing or what, but as as we were talking about before before we started recording, he has been getting a little bit of uptick here the past couple weeks. Now, obviously, I don't expect him to go for 100 yards and three touchdowns again coming up, but he has been getting worked into the rushing game a little bit more and the receiving game. So I think until we see that DJ is finally going to be fully healthy moving forward or they're playing him 90% of the time, I would feel safe playing Chase Edmonds in there. You're going to get bit one of these weeks again when, like I said, DJ comes back and is 100%. But until then, the way they check down to the running backs and the way that they've been getting yards on the ground, I think he he's the safe play and flex every week. Well, and I think what made it more magnified this week is – you know, he got a huge workload and he got those yeah. three touchdowns, but also coming into what we figured was going to be a pretty favorable matchup for Arizona as a passing offense and Kyler Murray. You know, a lot of us probably played Murray, played Fitzgerald. I mean, David Johnson is what it is, but you play those pieces expecting a decent passing day. and Only 104 yards passing against this Giants defense was kind of odd. It's like not only did they commit not only did they play chase Edmonds, they committed to being a different kind of football team than what we've seen yeah yeah it was definitely a weird game i would not like said i would i'd expect better things from kyler murray moving forward i know a lot of people who did i was actually talking to somebody on twitter earlier today who started kyler murray over aaron Rodgers, and then they've been regretting that decision all all weekend long and as i told them i don't think that's something you can be that upset about i mean we had not seen aaron Rodgers come anywhere close to what we have seen this or this past weekend and then kyler murray has been on his game so i think that uh regardless that was not the wrong call to make yes in hindsight 2020 it looks like the wrong call but when you made the call at the time it was definitely the right call yeah on uh, on the Giants' side here, so Daniel Jones continues to come back to earth a little bit, really kind of giving the ball away a lot in this one, too. 22 of 35, 223 yards to come in as QB 19 with 19.42 points. Saquon Barkley returns and I wouldn't say has a great game, really kind of gets bailed out here with the touchdown. Did actually run the ball fairly well, though. 72 yards on 18 carries and a touchdown added uh, – 
Eight yards on just three catches in this one. Did drop a couple balls as well. RB8 with 17 points. Golden Tate, wide receiver 22 with 14 points. 80 yards on six catches. And then Rhett Ellison is the tight end that comes through. Everybody been playing their tight ends against the Arizona Cardinals here lately uh, because they haven't been able to stop them. And instead of it being Evan Ingram that comes through for you, it is Rhett Ellison. He comes in with 33 yards on two catches and a touchdown finishing as tight end 10 with 11.3 points. Uh, Barkley, I felt like he looked good. There were a couple times he looked like he came up a little bit lame and was limping around to the sidelines. There was one point where he threw his helmet down. I was actually kind of worried as a Barkley owner. I was like, ah, oh, shit, he, in- he re-injured his ankle, but he went back out there and seemed to play fine. So I'm honestly not worried at all about Barkley moving forward. But we did see Evan Ingram get hurt. I didn't see the play, but I, I was listening to it on TVs. I was doing stuff around my house this weekend. And uh, I heard that he got hit in the head, I think, on a block, and he came to the sideline almost immediately holding his head and pointing to his neck. Do you know any more about Evan Ingram, uh, and are you worried about him a little bit? He, he's he been, after a couple of big games, has, has kind of been off to a, a little bit slower start here these past few games. Yeah, I think it's fair to worry about the Giants uh, in general. You know, we got a little bit excited uh, first couple of games uh, with Daniel Jones in. It seemed like they were getting it together, but... You really have to wonder if we are at any point this season going to see the potential of this offense. You know, Sterling Shepard's missed a lot of games. Evan Ingram's been in and out of the lineup. Um, you know, they finally got Tate back, but, you know, he was the only one for a while. Barkley's been in and out. And, you know, this should have been a pretty favorable matchup at home. And eight sacks, sloppy turnovers. Um, I just don't think the Giants look like they're progressing. Um, you know, I know a lot of people were uh, questioning the head coach who said, you know, he didn't see anything concerning about Daniel Jones' performance. Uh, and I know he's a rookie and it's going to be some growing pains, but, you know, it's fair to wonder at this point, are we ever really going to see time together with this? all the potential Giants' weapons? Are they going to be able to get it together? They obviously still have some line problems. I think that impacts Barkley, too. And we just aren't seeing, you know, we haven't yet seen the Saquon Barkley we saw at times last year where he takes over and dominates uh, both rushing and receiving. So, uh, you know, this this game probably in total, both teams, uh, was a little underwhelming versus what we thought we might see. Yeah, I mean, I hope Barkley's going to be back. My, my, with Daniel Jones being out there, I have a little bit more faith. Uh, I am worried a little bit about the checking down part because I do think Daniel Jones, at least so far, looks like he he's a little bit more of a competent pass. I shouldn't say competent passer, but has looked better passing the ball than we did see out of Eli in those first two games. Uh, but I am I'm, I'm right there with you. I do think his his receiving work could struggle a little bit, and that is a big part of Saquon Barkley and his game. Let's see here. Next up, we have the Los Angeles Rams and the Atlanta Falcons. And what I thought was going to be a shootout game here really uh, doesn't live up to that, I guess is the best way to put that. The Rams lived up to their side of the battle here, but the Falcons did not. Rams 37, Falcons 10. On the Rams side here, Jared Goff 22 of 37, 268 yards and two touchdowns. Also ran in a touchdown to come in as QB5 on the week with 34.5 points. Todd Gurley uh, has a decent game here. RB13 with 12.4 points, 41 yards on 18 carries. Had a beautiful catch, though, for a touchdown that one 13-yard pass. 
uh, from Goff. Woods finishes as the best wide receiver, wide receiver 25 with 13.6 points. Uh, 80 yards on five catches. Brandon Cooks, 59 yards on four catches to come in as wide receiver 39 with 9.9 points. And then Cooper cut 50 yards on six catches in this one to come in as our wide receiver 29 with 11 points. And Gerald Everett, uh, a guy that some people were buying into. We, we've talked about it a lot throughout the years. If uh, if the Rams use their tight end, they would have a top tight end um, a player here. Everett tight end six with 15 points. This one should have had more. Dropped a touchdown in this one as well. 50 yards, four catches, one touchdown. On the Rams side here, I mean, I guess it was good to see this offense bounce back. We both kind of talked about it last week. We were still believing in this offense. Uh, not that necessarily worried about it. I am starting to worry about Brandon Cooks a little bit, though. We We've seen... In all honesty, if you go back and look at all the games, Woods, I think, has actually sustained the best value throughout all of this. He had one bad game, and it really wasn't even that bad, where we saw Cup and Cooks really struggle last week. And both of them, while they came through with double-digit points, or at least Cup did, Cooper uh, Cooks finished with nine, uh, Woods really seems to be coming on as the one. Do you think that continues, or do you think Brandon Cooks overtakes him here eventually? You know, it's hard to say. This uh, Rams team is a little bit confounding. Uh, plus, I feel like Gerald Everett just continues to fire it up to troll me uh, <laughs> because I keep expecting him to fall off. But, I mean, that's a, that's kind of the real uh, thing. If they're going to keep getting more and more people involved, I mean, Gerald Everett had the most targets uh, with 10 yeah. uh, in this game. And that's going to take away. I don't know whether they saw something. Obviously, Atlanta's had safety linebacker issues. Um, you know, and this game wasn't super competitive, so it didn't seem like they needed to hit those long shots. I still feel like Cooks is more of the big play guy, uh, and it doesn't seem like this Rams team is generating quite as many big plays. But. You know, for a team that put up 37 points, if you were looking across the board, nobody was really spectacular. Um, they're just having good team wins, and, you know, it's good for the Rams. Not necessarily great for us. Even looking at targets, you know, Cup had eight, Cooks and Woods each with seven. So uh, they're spreading the ball around. They're just trying to get everybody involved, and I think, um, you know, any one of these guys could have an explosion of points any week, and that's why you keep rolling them out. Uh, but you're also going to get middling games, and you're probably going to get some bomb games. Yeah, well, since you have not been on, on on Gerald Everett, are you a believer now? I mean, outside of, of one bad game here recently, he's been on fire in a top 12 tight end. Is it time to believe in him? I guess I still have a lot of questions because, you know, Tyler Higby um, – they seem to be peppering with targets early in the season. And he had a huge contract extension. I think it was between weeks uh, one and two, which I thought was weird, but I'm like, okay, well, I guess he must be the tight end they like. And now it's like, they don't feature him at all. I have, I have not seen anything in any of these games that ever made me think Gerald Everett was special, but you know, maybe, maybe that's 2019 in fantasy football. 
Yeah, that's probably the truest statement we're going to have on this podcast all year. It is, it has just been a weird year. And maybe, you know, it goes back to, I guess, the, the argument we could make, something you just said a minute ago. He got the most targets. Maybe it's just volume for him. I mean, I, I've said that before about uh, Mike Evans and Melvin Gordon. They're, while they're obviously very talented players, volume is what made them elite in fantasy. Maybe that's just what's making Gerald Everett elite right now at the tight end position. He's just getting the volume. For the Falcons side here, Matt Ryan, 16-27, 159 yards and an interception to come in at QB 28 at 8.6 points. Devonta Freeman, just 19 yards on seven carries, did get uh, uh, ejected out of this one for stupidly throwing a punch at Aaron Donald. Probably the one, one of the one players in the NFL would not want to fight. Julio Jones still gets his, wide receiver 18 with 15.3 points, 93 yards on six catches. And then Austin Hooper continues to be the tight end one on the year, 46 yards, four catches, and one touchdown to come in as tight end eight with 14.6 points. We did see Matt Ryan get hurt in this one. Uh, no real news has come out about his injury, just that he, he he left the game the other day in a walking boot. So we'll see. They they did come out already and say they're not rolling him out for week eight. So hopefully that's good news is he has been phenomenal uh, for fantasy. But I feel like we've been talking about it for weeks now that, that Freeman should – you should have sold high on Freeman. Is, is it probably uh, – see, I don't want to say too late because he did technically get ejected for throwing the punch. Maybe he does something here. Uh, but I, I would think – Outside of Julio and Hooper, how comfortable are you starting anybody else on this team moving forward with with as bad as they look and the possibilities that Dan Quinn might be might be fired here soon? Yeah, so far they've been uh, really strongly. Um, Arthur Blank has seemed reticent to make any kind of midseason move. I wouldn't be surprised if Atlanta kind of rides it out all season long, and I don't even know at this point, what really a coaching change for Dan Quinn would even mean for this offense. Dirk Cutter's kind of handling the offense. And, I mean, their biggest problem to me is that they don't seem to have a line. Atlanta is a kind of frustrating team, probably my biggest miss of the preseason because I thought they were going to be a strong contender in the NFC South, were going to be a playoff team. And they look like an absolute disaster. Um, and they spend a lot of draft picks on linemen, but they've just had so many injuries and, and inefficiencies. And I think, you know, we've seen Matt Ryan getting beaten up a lot uh, this season. It's not incredibly surprising he got banged up. I think the report that I saw most recently this afternoon said he had a high ankle sprain. He's not practicing, but it was still possible he might start on Sunday. If not, Matt Schaub, um, I don't know how great you feel about Julio Jones with Matt Schaub, but you got to roll him out there. Schaub actually seemed to do better for Hooper because Austin Hooper hadn't done hardly anything in that game. I'm pretty sure three of his catches, and I know his touchdown came when Schaub was in the game. Um, So probably gives you at least a little more confidence that he's going to stay about the same, but they they just feel like a mess. Uh, You know, this offense and the Cincinnati Bengals offense – are probably two where you have huge pieces that were taken high in fantasy that you don't have a great deal of confidence in, but you got to keep rolling out there. Where you took Devontae Freeman, you probably need to be playing him. Seeing him get ejected for punching uh, is not that great. I was also interested, it seemed like Brian Hill was the one that came in and picked up the work. I know Edo Smith's been banged up, but kind of an interesting uh, thing to watch too. We may not even know exactly who's behind him, but 
just an odd game. We had thought Mohamed Sanu was going to get involved. There's rumors they're trying to trade him. If they were trying to boost his trade stock, they got nothing yeah. yesterday. One catch, three yards, two targets. Calvin Ridley hasn't seemed to be as explosive. And I, when you don't have time, you can't make those kind of big boom plays. But this, you know, I know the Rams got Jalen Ramsey. Ramsey was on Julio Jones most of the time, and Jones still got six catches for 93, was still pretty much okay. We've seen this Rams defense get torched time and again, so the fact that we we didn't see very much out of Atlanta should be concerning, considering they're going to be playing better teams going forward. Oh, yeah. Yeah, on the Edo Smith thing, I can't remember what happened to him, but he did get carted off early in the game. I think that's why Hill okay. came in. Uh, but they, I know I saw a report earlier that it's not even that serious, that he should be fine. So we'll, we'll see. I don't know how they would have split that up because we have seen Brian Hill regardless, uh, even when, when Smith was in there yeah. getting it, getting a little bit of a role here. But I, I'm assuming that's why Hill got a lot more run once Freeman got uh, ejected because Smith uh, did get carted off pretty early in that game. Uh, next up, we have a, a, a surprise, not really a shootout, but a very good game, which I was not expecting at all. And the Dolphins losing to the Bills 21-31. On the Dolphins' side here, so Ryan Fitzpatrick starts the game again, 25-35, 282, one touchdown, one interception. Did have a nice little 13-yard touchdown run, or was it 13 yards or 11 yards? 12-yard touchdown run. I think run. it was 12 yards. Yeah, 12-yard yeah. touchdown run. Uh, coming in as QB 11 with 28.33 points. Kenyon Drake, 21 yards on six carries, added 37 yards on three catches to come in at RB20 with 8.8 points. Mark Walton, I think, continues to impress as the best running back on this team. Really hoping Kenyon Drake gets traded. 66 yards on 14 carries in this one. Uh, one catch, but it was for negative eight yards. Comes in at RB28 with 6.8 points. Devontae Parker, continues to prove that Adam Gase didn't know what he was doing with him. 55 yards, 5 catches, and a touchdown in this one. Coming in at wide receiver 15 with 15.6 points. Preston Williams, still the best wide receiver on that team in my opinion, though. 82 yards on 6 catches. Wide receiver 24 with 13.7 points. And then Mike Gesicki showing here. A guy a lot of people were very high on. Uh, breaks into the top 15 at tight end. Tight end 15 with 8.1 points. 41 yards on 4 Catches so the Finns keep it close. A really good game. Parker seems to be a legit low end wide receiver two, high end wide receiver three. Uh, I mean, what are your thoughts on Parker? I know John Hamler's a guy we had on with us earlier in the preseason was very high on Parker, and and he seems to be right. Yeah, well, you know, and I I had written a little bit about Parker in the off season. I think it makes a difference who the quarterback is. With Fitzpatrick, we've seen a little bit. Um, better passing numbers all around you know it seemed to help Williams a little bit too this this was another game honestly that was a fantasy nightmare um yeah <laughs> you know and really just a real life nightmare the Bills came in four and one they had looked really good the Dolphins looked like absolute dung and at halftime the Dolphins are up 14 to 9 you're like what is going on they go into the fourth quarter up 14 to 9 yep. Buffalo kind of explodes for 22 in the last quarter you know, the last touchdown of which was a just totally dolphin-like onside yeah. kick that <laughs> was returned for a touchdown. Uh, but, you know, here's another game. There's been a lot of rumors the Dolphins wanted to boost Kenyon Drake's trade value and try to move him, and yet their running back situation continues to just be abhorrent uh, for fantasy because – 
Drake gets, you know, six carries for 21 yards. Walton, they seem to commit to on the ground. He gets 66 yards on 14 carries against a good, uh, pretty good defense. But it's Balazs who comes in just in time to steal the touchdown and then bounce out of the game. Drake not doing a ton in the passing game. I don't know if you were a prospective buyer, what you saw here that would make you think, oh, man, let me go out and waste some draft picks on Kenyon Drake. Um, But with Fitzpatrick in there, you know, Parker probably becomes more solidly playable. The running backs, I I don't know how you'd have confidence really in any of them based on what we're seeing just because it's too hard, you know, it's too hard to tell what they're going to do with their touches or whether it's even going to be valuable with touches. And, you know, this is either the second or third game I think that we've talked about where Balazs doesn't really do anything in the game except for come in and take the touchdown. Yeah, I mean, I, I so I love Mark Walton. I know we talked about him last week because I added him in a bunch of leagues. Um, I loved him coming out of Miami a couple years ago. Again, he was in a very loaded draft class. He still made my top 10. I don't think he has any value, though, unless they move Drake, because I'm with you. With the way they're, they're using all three of them, you're just not going to get the points out of them unless they move Drake. If they move Drake, I think he's a lot more talented than Kalen Balaj. And will he probably still steal some touchdowns from him? Yes, but, I mean, we saw just as you were talking about with the with the carries and the rushing yards there. I mean, he had 4.7 yards of carry against a very good Buffalo Bills defense. That is not a defense to to – that, that just gets run all over. So Walton actually was doing a very good job moving the ball. He just was not getting involved a lot in the passing game. And then obviously if he got, if he gets that touchdown that Balazs kind of took from him, yeah, he has a, ends up having a better day. So I like Walton moving forward, possibly a guy to, to be a late, uh, well, I don't know if he's available, but if he's available, maybe a guy add now yeah. uh, because the trade deadline is just nine days away. And if they do move him, you, you might end up getting a low end RB two for free. Uh, Cause I do think he's got some upside. Well, and what I think is probably the most concerning is what it looks like now. I, I'm just going to be honest. Um, the Dolphins haven't had a good enough product for me to be trying to purposely watch lots of their game. <laughs> right. But what it seems like from what we're seeing is they may view Balage as nothing more than the short yardage goal line back, which is fine would tell you if they move Drake, Walton's probably going to get a lion's share of the carries. But what would be concerning to me as a fantasy owner is trying to rely solely on yardage to get your points and receptions to get your points uh, is a little bit of a dicey game. If you know your guy is hardly ever going to get goal line carries, that's going to really limit a ceiling. Um, And that's what feels like they're doing right now with three of them. I don't know if that would get better if Drake moved and that's if they can even sell Drake for anything. Yeah. I mean, um, I hope that's not true, but you're probably right on that with Balazs. I mean, I remember when Balazs came out, I was not big on him at all. I thought he was just a complete, he has all the physical abilities to be a very good running back, but we saw it at, um, for those of you who don't know, Arizona state, uh, he just he he never put it together. He'd have like a couple big games and then nothing. And a lot of his coaches came out. And again, I don't know him on a personal level. Never went to Arizona State or anything. They just said that he was lazy. He did not care enough or practice hard enough or do anything to try and improve himself. And so that's why I never uh, was big on him. But a lot of people are because he has the measurables and he has the physical skill set. So he they were both in the same draft though. I believe they were both drafted in the fourth round as well. 
But I loved Walton because he was phenomenal at Miami, and I would have had him right up there with like the Nick Chubbs of the world, except for the fact that he's been dealing with ankle issues and ankle injuries his entire real college career, and that that's what kind of lowered him. But again, I still had him in my top ten, trying to get the the draft class. Okay, so the draft I, I have the draft class pulled up. So, I mean, you had Saquon Barkley, Rashad Penny. It was that draft class, the 2018 draft class. Sony Michelle, Nick Chubb, Ronald Jones, Carrion Johnson, Darius Geis, Royce Freeman. So, a loaded draft class, a guy that was not really talked about at all. Chase Edmonds, I forgot Chase Edmonds was in that draft class. My goodness, and that was obviously the class where Phillip Lindsay went undrafted. So, loaded draft class, a guy that I think is kind of getting forgotten about again. I think... Could be a, a decent play. You likely will have to worry about Kalen Balazs stealing touchdowns from him, though. But if he continues to run as well as he did against a good Bills defense against weaker defenses, he still might be able to bring you some value back. And again, I, my hope would be if they are able to move Drake, he'll get some of that receiving work as well. So even if he does get his touchdowns vultured, he still might have a shot at coming in as a low-end RB2 or, or RB3 uh, with upside, so like a flex play, which is, again, if he's available right now on your waiver wires, that's not a bad grab uh, uh, for someone who could end up producing for you later on in the year. But again, as we both said, that has to come with them moving Drake. On uh, the Bills side here, so... <clears throat> On Friday, I made one good call, one bad call. I said to start John Brown. I thought he'd have a phenomenal game here. He definitely comes through for you. But if you started Devlin Singletary, I apologize. I started him. I started him over Chase Edmonds as me and you. I know you did as well, Matt. We were both talking about that before we started recording. Uh, that that obviously did not work out for either one of us uh, as he still got seven carries but just was not in the game that much. Josh Allen, though, has a good day, 16 to 26, 202 yards and two touchdowns to come in as QB9 with 29.28 points. Frank Gore, RB25, with 7.6 points, 55 yards on 11 carries in this one, added one catch for 11 yards. Devin Singletary, 26 yards on seven carries, does absolutely nothing in the receiving game here to come in as RB50 with 2.6 points. John Brown, as I talked about, really good game for him. Wide receiver 11, 19.3 points, 83 yards on five catches and a touchdown. Uh, Cole Beasley, wide receiver 33 with 10.6 points in this one. Uh, 16 yards on just three catches, but one of them was a touchdown. Uh, and then Dawson Knox, who I actually thought would be a good play as well, really kind of falls in, falls up short in this one. Tight end 30 with 4.2 points, 22 yards on two catches. So the Bills, though, they get the win, which is which is great. That's obviously what they want to do, move to 5-1. and one. Josh Allen, great day for him, continues to be an absolute beast at the quarterback position. But what are we thinking about with Singletary? My big fear about him coming back uh, this week, and I did I did say it a little bit with a caveat. We don't know what he's going to be first game back, but I still thought he'd be able to run all over this Dolphins defense. Did not happen. What do you think? Are you worried about him moving forward, sharing the backfield with Gore? Or do you think it was just more of like a first game back thing, good to move Singletary going forward? No, I, I mean, I think you have to be concerned about uh, about what you're going to get from him going forward because even before he got hurt, he was in a split where he was getting fewer of the carries than uh, Frank Gore. He was getting an uptick at times when he showed some explosion, but you were really getting good performances from him uh, on the efficiency that he had on the carries he was provided. I just, you know, it really seemed like this was going to be a banner day for Bill's running backs. They're a team that likes to run the ball. The Dolphins hadn't really shown a propensity for stopping the run. The Bills came into this game 16.5-point favorites, and I know on paper they won by 10, but they really did that thanks to 
a touchdown off an onside kick at the yeah. end of the game. This was a really tight game, one in which the Bills trailed going into the third quarter or into the fourth quarter at home. Uh, just a really weird game flow. Uh, but Singletary, the other thing I would be a little bit bummed about is we didn't see him any passing work. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's a place where you think that he can catch the ball and get out in the space. So really limited work. He wasn't on the injury report, so you assume he's 100% healthy. I don't know if that game flow or whatever. The Bills obviously didn't do a lot the first three quarters, so that probably limits the amount of plays that they had total. Um, but I, I think, you know, it's going to be hard unless we start seeing a situation where he's – uh, the main option for you to think of him as any more than a flex right now. Yeah, so I mean, next week he has a tough matchup with uh, with the Eagles, who, regardless of what Zeke did to him last night, still a very good rush defense. Uh, but then has three good matchups in a row in the Redskins, Browns, and Dolphins before they go up against two good, more uh, really three defense, good defenses in the Broncos, Cowboys, Ravens. So. Maybe we, we see a little bit out of him next week. I honestly would be kind of terrified to play him next week. But then I do think there's three good chances to play him. But we have to see how this is going to work out now with Frank Gore. I would hope that they start to move back away from him. They did seem to start moving more towards Singletary there in that second and third game before he got hurt. So hopefully they continue to do that. Next up, we've got the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Cincinnati Bengals. The Jags winning this one 27-17. Gardner Minshew, 15-32, 255 yards, one touchdown in the air, 48 yards on nine carries. Coming in as QB 13 with 26.7 points. Leonard Fournette just continues to ball out, 29 carries, 131 yards, and 14 yards in the air. RB10 with 16.5 points. D.D. Westbrook, though, leads the wide receivers this week. Wide receiver 13 with 17.7 points, 103 yards on six catches. Chris Conley, 83 yards on three catches. And D.J. Chark, 53 yards on three catches, coming in at wide receiver 34 with 10.3 points. So Minshew bounces back after a couple bad games. Westbrook, I was a little bit surprised, was kind of kind of took the honors here and was the best wide receiver on the team. Um, Chark looks like he's coming back to earth a little bit. Two bad games in a row. Uh, he's still a must start for me, as I think he's got the better talent out of all these wide receivers. But what are your thoughts on Chark? Yeah, and this is uh, one of the, you know he had been pretty even in terms of targets. This is one where you know only four targets. Conley had eight, had more, and Westbrook had nine that had more. I I had mentioned this when we talked about it last week. You have to wonder, is he going to start to be affected because they're going to put their primary cover person on him because of the way he started the season and because he had seemed to have a connection with Minshew. So could be having an impact here. Um, you know, he's always got a chance for a touchdown. Touchdowns were a big part of the reason he ended up so inflated in the standings and are one of the reasons that – I had talked about him sliding down a little bit, uh, hard to sustain that rate. I think he and Westbrook are both worth a flex. Uh, Conley was the interesting. We had basically not really seen him involved much at all uh, for the last three or four weeks, and then out of nowhere, eight targets, second most on the team. Jacksonville, you know, this. <laughs> we I think the theme for this week is disappointment uh, in the way things played out. Um, the only you know, we we thought Fournette was going to feast uh, because the Bengals can't stop yeah. the run at all, and that proved you know very true. 
Minshew a little bit of a better game, but 15 out of 32, that would be worrisome a little bit. Um, his completion percentage was not that great. And this is another game that was much closer and much stranger than we expected. I thought the yeah. Jags were going to kind of have an easy time. Six to seven at the half. They trailed uh, nine, 10 to nine going into the fourth quarter. And it was kind of a fourth quarter explosion that helped them to put that away. And in part because it was a Bengals implosion, uh, you know, some defensive touchdowns. So, you know, weird game flow. Shark will have probably some better games, but, uh, you know, the first few weeks of the season were probably not a true impression of where he's going to finish on the season. Yeah, yeah, I think he's, regardless of, uh, and I still am high on him, I think he's a phenomenal wide receiver, but he he was a wide receiver one. I think he is actually still sitting as a wide receiver one on the season right now, just based on what he did at the beginning of the season. He's more of a middle-tier wide receiver, too, and there's nothing wrong with that. Still a great player uh, and still giving you a ton of value back from him. Again, I took him in the 16th round in a couple drafts, so he's still bringing you a lot of value finishing as a wide receiver, too, there. Uh, you mentioned the implosion from the Bengals, a lot of that coming from Andy Dalton, 22 of 43, 276 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions it's to come in, though, at QB 14 with 25.84 points in this one. Uh, he did get 33 yards and a rushing touchdown as well. Joe Mixon, me and you have talked about possibly even benching this guy. Really got saved by a touchdown in this one, if you want to consider that being saved. RB 27 with 7.4 points. Just two yards on on 10 carries. Two, two yards on 10 carries. Does get a two-yard touchdown pass, again, to get you the seven points. Just absolutely horrid. It is. I don't even know what to say about Joe Mixon anymore. For the wide receivers, Alex Erickson has the best day, likely someone you are not playing. Wide receiver six with 21.5 points, 137 yards on eight uh, catches. Auden Tate has another good game here, though. 65 yards on three catches. Tyler Board, 55 yards on five catches. Um, uh, let's see, Tate coming in at wide receiver 41 with 9.5 points. Boyd, wide receiver 37 with 10 points. We talked about it earlier when we were mentioning um, the the Dolphins offense and how bad they are. The Bengals are right there with them. Just absolutely horrible. 0-7 now. Uh, there was talks that A.J. Green might be coming back, though. They have not ruled him out now for Week 8, which may be good news. However, Auden Tate has really been interesting to me. He's a guy that uh, I've grabbed and picked up in a couple of Dynasty Leagues where he was available. What are your thoughts on him? Because if A.J. Green does get moved, I think Auden Tate might actually be a, a fairly good upside wide receiver here. Not a probably a, a wide receiver three more than anything because I don't see the Bengals scoring a lot. But he has actually looked really good the past couple weeks and does seem to have a pretty good connection with Andy Dalton. Yeah, and Dalton's another one. They've talked about whether or not uh, he's going to be on the block and possibly on the move. This Bengals team uh, just... They are tough to figure. I, I, you know, Tate, we've seen some good things. You'd like to say there's some potential there, but yesterday, Tyler Boyd got 14 targets. Uh, Erickson got 14 targets, only six for Auden Tate. Um, kind of interesting, uh, kind of concerning. You know, if AJ Green comes back, maybe Green and Boyd are, are the focus of defense, and Tate slides into that role that Erickson played yesterday. But I don't know how confident you can be about anyone week to week. When you can't run at all, um, it really just sets things back. And honestly, Mixon, if it wasn't for that gift 
you know, reception of two yards for a touchdown, he's completely worthless on the day. And I don't mean that, you know, as a person, although we could have that debate, but for fantasy, they can't run at all. The Bengals as a team had 33 yards rushing. Andy Dalton had 33 yards rushing. Uh, it's just a really, you know, Gio Bernard's not doing anything either. Neither of them are really factors in the passing game. Uh, tight end's not really a factor in the passing game. It's hard to even feel good about starting Tyler Boyd right now. He's been more like a flex play of 14 targets. You you love the volume, in the, but 5 for 55, it's just this team is depressing to watch. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's the worst part about it is because we, we really saw earlier in the season, too, that uh, that Tyler Boyd was actually doing good when A.J. Green came out because, of course, everybody talked about, oh, well, with no A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd can't produce for you in fantasy, and he was. And maybe that's why Auden Tate has looked better. It just seems like they're focusing in on Boyd. Uh, and the argument, obviously, against Boyd was he can't do it as the one. Regardless, uh, I, I'm with you. I just... It's going to be hard to start any of these guys. I started Tate this week as just a flex option. Matter of fact, in my, my main dynasty league, which I'll, I'll discuss with you at the end of that because I'm going back and forth with a league mate of mine. I actually had to start Mark Walton and Auden Tate due to bye weeks and injuries. That's how uh, hurt I am on my roster right now. But uh, I do think, uh, you know, with if regardless of if AJ, well, if AJ Green comes back, Auden Tate has no value. But if he doesn't, uh, I would think he has a chance to be a low end flex player. Going to be interesting to see though what they do with Andy Green because there ha- or Andy Green, my goodness, Andy Dalton because there have been rumors that he might be moved as well. A lot of people very high on Ryan Finley, uh, including myself, coming out in the draft this year would be interesting to see what he does if he is given a shot. Next up, we have got uh, what it turned out to be a really good game in the Minnesota Vikings and the Detroit Lions. Minnesota winning this one, forty-two to thirty. For the Vikings side, Kirk Cousins continues to just ball out passing the ball after the first two weeks of really not doing it at all. 24-34, 337 yards and four touchdowns to come in at QB3 with 43.8 points. Dalvin Cook continues to be one of the best running backs in the league, finishing his RB3 with 27.9 points, 142 yards and two touchdowns on 25 carries and added just one catch for seven yards. Stephon Diggs, after Thielen went down, really kind of turned it up, being the best option for Kirk Cousins. 142 yards on seven catches, did have a drop touchdown as well, which I did call on Friday's podcast for him to have a big day and a touchdown, just missed having the touchdown. Wide receiver eight on the week with 21.2 points. We saw an Irv Smith siding with 60 yards on five catches. Kyle Rudolph gets a touchdown on five catches and 58 yards to come in at tight end three with 16.8 points. Uh, And then Adam Thielen, wide receiver 42 with 9.5 points in this one. A beautiful catch, just one catch for 25 yards and a touchdown, but a beautiful touchdown catch. Went down pretty hard on his arm, and I thought he hurt his arm with the way he was holding his wrist. Uh, Ends up being a hamstring injury. He's already pretty much been ruled out for Thursday Night Football, so that could mean big and great news for Stephon Diggs again this week. On the Vikings side here, let's see. I mean, what are... What uh, my goodness, I didn't put any notes, so we're just gonna play this right off the top of the head. Kirk Cousins, I think is good, is good to move forward. We've seen they've really become more of a more balanced offense. What are you thinking about Diggs and Thielen here? I feel like this is a question we're we're asking each other every week. Obviously, as as I just stated, it looks like Thielen's going to be out for Thursday night football. You are someone who owns Diggs in a couple leagues, as am I. I obviously am, am, am feeling a lot better about his workload the past couple weeks. Are you now more willing to hold on him and move him into that wide receiver two spot, or are you still trying to sell high on him now with three good weeks in a row? 
Yeah, I think, you know, is it possible that we can consider alien uh, possession uh, for Kirk Cousins? Because not only is he passing the ball, he seems to remember that tight end is an actual position. Because not only did he throw to one, he threw to two yesterday. So yeah, that is true. Hard, hard to know what to make of him. Uh, I would say with the, the tight ends, that probably a little bit of a result of missing Thielen and maybe uh, some matchups. But Diggs, they're certainly making an effort to get the ball to Diggs and Thielen. We've seen them both have success together in the last couple of years. And, um, you know, it seems like they've maybe found a groove and discovered themselves and gotten going. You know, they had a new kind of offensive coordinator and philosophy and stuff going on this season. Maybe they were trying to establish the run early and get things going. Um, you know, we know Cousins took very serious personal responsibility for the way the passing game was going yeah. a few weeks ago, and since then has quietly put up a beautiful stretch of games. It's not only helped him from a fantasy perspective, it's certainly helping Thielen and Diggs. And from a real-life perspective, I mentioned this in my uh, Monday column today, if you're a Vikings fan, you have to, for the first time, feel like you may be seeing the team you thought you were buying last off season with oh, Kirk yeah. Cousins. Yeah, it's honestly a little uh, upsetting for me as well because in that same league where I was talking about starting Auden Tate and um, Mark Walton, I, I made a, a trade uh, that goes through on Tuesday to the panic Patrick Mahomes owner when he uh, obviously dislocated his kneecap and everybody thought he might be done for the year. And I moved Kirk Cousins, and I'm actually kind of starting to regret that trade at the moment because uh, he's obviously been much better than Baker Mayfield, and that's who I'm going to have to rely on now. So uh, Kirk uh, just <laughs> continues to screw me over. I play him, and he sucks, and then I trade him when he's the best quarterback in fantasy. So go figure for me, right? On the Lions side here, Matt Stafford has himself a great day again. I do feel like at times was screwed over by the refs again in this one. It's just I feel so bad for the Lions right now. 30 of 45, 364 yards, four touchdowns, one interception, coming in as QB2 on the week with 44.6 points. Ty Johnson is the guy who gets most of the run here when uh, with Carrion Johnson going out with a knee injury. Carrion just 23 yards on five carries before the injury. Ty Johnson got 10 of the carries after that for 29 yards. Uh, J.D. McKissick looked like the better running back, though, with just 29 yards on five carries. Uh, Ty Johnson came in, though, as RB16 with 9.7 points, as he did at 28 yards on four catches as well. Marvin Jones Jr. had a career day in this one, though, coming in as wide receiver one with 43.3 points, 93 yards on 10 catches, and four touchdowns. Kenny Galladay, an afterthought in this game, and I know it was not all because of Xavier Rhodes either, because two of the touchdown catches on Marvin Jones, Xavier Rhodes was on him. Just one catch on two targets and 21 yards for Galladay coming in at wide receiver 78 with 3.1 points. And then TJ Hawkinson uh, pops up in this one as well. 32 yards on three catches coming in at tight end 20 with 6.2 points. I personally am not worried about Galladay. We saw this a couple weeks ago as well. He had a a bad game. I I do think you're going to get this out of him every once in a while. He's still the best wide receiver on that team. And in a a team that does look like they're going to throw the ball quite a lot with Matt Stafford getting his mojo back. So I'm not worried about Kenny Galladay. Just a bad day. It is what it is. Uh, I don't obviously think Marvin Jones is going to continue to catch four touchdowns a game. He he has definitely been 
more boom or bust this season. I expect him to go more more toward the bust side here moving forward. Um, if you disagree with that, let me know. My big question I want to ask you, though, is uh, what are you thinking about this backfield? We have not heard anything on on Johnson and how serious it is. So assuming that he doesn't play anymore, are you going to try and get J.D. McKissick or Ty Johnson as that, uh, that running back for the Lions? I'm not going to try to get either because Carry okay. on Johnson's a pretty good talent. And, um, you know, we've seen him struggle a little bit on yards per carry and production, uh, touchdowns kind of bailing him out. I don't think uh, this is going to be a good running game uh, with him gone. You know, I could be wrong. We'll have to see. Uh, and I know there's people that are going to want to pick him up just because they have an opportunity. But to me, neither of those guys look like somebody I'm rushing to put in the lineup uh, and on Jones, I, I agree with you. I think Matthew Berry said it best on Twitter when he said Marvin Jones had a heck of a season on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. That, Pretty that's much a, that's like a, that was going to be his season. That was, that's a, that was a much better line than what I said. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I still think Marvin Jones obviously has good value, but yeah, he's not going to do that any or anything close to that again moving forward. Um, I think we can all agree on that. Next up, uh, another game that was close for a while, but the Packers ended up pulling away with this one. Raiders 24, Packers 42. On the Raiders Raiders side, Derek Carr comes in at QB 16 with 25.22 points. 22 of 28, 293 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. One fumble for a... uh, what is it? Uh, what happens when they fumble out of the back of the end zone? I can't a touchback, which they I think is the back. dumbest yeah. dumbest ruling in the NFL. But that's just maybe that's just me. Uh, Josh Jacobs continues to just rub my face in it. I might have to Dennis. I'll, I'll give Dennis props. He admitted on Friday that he might have been wrong on Josh Jacobs. I'm still holding firm, but it's getting harder and harder to keep holding firm because Jacobs continues to produce 124 yards on 21 carries. Comes in at RB 11 with 16.4 points in this one. Did add 10 yards on three catches. Outside of those two, though, the only other person that did anything was Darren Waller. Two touchdowns, should have had three touchdowns, 126 yards on seven catches. Foster Moreau did have a touchdown as well on 24 yards. Uh, you know, if you if you guys ended up starting him, the, the upstart rookie that a lot of people were high on. I mean, we don't know when Tyrell Williams is coming back, so I really feel like it's just Waller and Jacobs moving forward in this offense. Do you agree? Yeah, I do, and... Um, you know, I know Carr got lifted toward the end of the game, uh, and Glendon came in, and one of his uh, touchdown or his touchdown pass was actually to uh, Waller too. He just seems to be a beast. Just got a contract yeah. extension. Um, I think it's a matchup of the right system. We've talked about the Raiders, um, especially with Gruden. The last two years seem to really uh, Gruden and Carr seem to really be peppering the tight end uh, and. You know, the right talent, the right situation. I think uh, if you ended up getting him, especially in dynasties where he was cheap or free on the waiver because he'd kind of burned out with the Ravens, you probably worked yourself into a tight end one for a couple years to come. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... Maybe we should have all, well, I, I don't want to say we didn't see it coming because we all thought Foster Moreau would be that guy because of how talented he looked in college and him being and being picked by the Raiders. But Waller has definitely come on, and, and it is something you have to buy into. And we saw it last year with Cook, and we're seeing it right now with Waller. I think he's 
as you just said, you just lucked into a, a, a tight end one, which is not easy to find either. I mean, there are tight end ones, and then there's tight end ones, and Darren Waller is definitely a tight end one. He is a guy that's going to stay there and be one of the best producing tight ends in fantasy. On the Packers side, Aaron Rodgers gets it done with a bunch of second string wide receivers. QB1 on the week with 60 points, 25 of 31, 429 yards, five touchdowns in the air, adds six yards on one touchdown, uh, three yard touchdown run on the ground as well. So six touchdowns on the day. Just absolutely ridiculous. Aaron Jones, RB6 on the week with 18.3 points. 50 yards on 12 carries and added 33 yards and a beautiful touchdown catch uh, on four catches as well. Almost exactly like the one he dropped the week prior he caught this week against the Raiders. We saw Jamal Williams actually have a good day as well. Just five yards on four carries in this one, uh, but does get 26 yards and four catches and a touchdown to come in at RB12 with 14.6 points. MVS, though, has the best day for the wide receivers. 133 yards on two catches and a touchdown. Just ridiculous 74-yard touchdown play. Uh, and then Jimmy Graham as well gets you a touchdown on four catches and 65 yards to come in at tight end four with 16.5 points. I mean, Rodgers, he was the original OG of what we saw with with what we've seen from Patrick Mahomes, and it really feels like he's gotten back to that. He's been injured the past couple years dealing with different stuff. Really looks like he's back to that old Aaron Rodgers we we used to know and love. I think. May, do you think he's back? Is it being an elite quarterback? Is the first question I want to ask you because he's been outside of that all season long. This was the first time we've seen that old school Aaron Rodgers and doing all this without Devontae Adams as well, which is extremely surprising to me. Yeah, and I think it's possible that you know this is only the seventh game that he's played with uh, Lafleur. Yeah, um, you know, maybe getting more comfortable, starting to understand things. They're they're kind of starting to find that groove. We even saw Peyton Manning the first year he was in Denver. The first they started out a little bit rough. It was a little bit concerning, and about you know this this way this mark through his first season, he kind of really started to take off and and be what we had hoped he would be and what people had expected him to be and. You know, you can't. I think sometimes we're a little too quick to dismiss when these guys get new systems and new coaches and Rodgers and this offense is again uh, in that group of people that did not play at all in the preseason. The game that we thought we were going to see them in the preseason is the one where they had the terrible field conditions in Canada. So September opening day was the first time Rodgers got out. They played a couple of tough defenses. They've been finding their way. They're Players are growing into it, and I, I think they could be poised for a big back half of the season. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think uh, right now, I mean, I talked about it on Thursday with you and Tony that I thought Aaron Jones would be a candidate to fall off. He is still continuing to produce. I think you've got to keep rolling him out there. Uh, but MVS, we don't know when Adams is coming back. I mean, in all honesty, it sounds like he's going to be gone for a lot longer than us fantasy owners want him to be. With the performance we saw between him, Kumaro, Lazard, and and Allison that last week, has MVS moved up as the one for you, or do you think it was just luck of obviously the really big play that made his day? As he only got, let's see here, three targets. I mean, he was right there yeah, with three everybody. Three targets. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know that you can say he distinguished himself from the pack because he got three targets. He caught two of them for 133 yards and yeah. a touchdown. That is incredibly unreplicatable efficiency. Uh, the week before, Lazard was the big one. This one, Kramrau, 
catches a big touchdown. Allison was active and really didn't do much. I think the basic thing is Aaron Rodgers. If you're in an Aaron Rodgers offense, you always have a chance to do something great, and he's going to look for the right matchups and the right situations. That's what we saw the week before. He really locked on to Lazard as a guy who came out, was in a good position, was on a good matchup, and was able to lock in at a time he needed to make plays happen. So, you know, I don't, I don't think based on this game alone, MVS is the one that I'm elevating. Yeah, it's going to be uh, – I think if you've got him, he, he's a worthy flex play. I know we've kind of talked about that here in, before. And, and someone – a wide receiver in an Aaron Rodgers offense has some kind of value. Uh, but, yeah, there's no way you're replicating that kind of game. But I, until Adams comes back, I feel like you've got to – Likely, depending on your options, just throw them in your flex spot moving forward. Because again, with if this is the return of Aaron Rodgers, he's gonna he's gonna continue to put up points. Maybe not this much, but he'll do something. The last game for us today, uh, let's see here is the Houston Texans and the Indianapolis Colts a battle for the AFC South. Uh, and the Houston uh, Houston Colts winning Houston Colts. My goodness, the Houston Texans losing this one, twenty three to thirty two. The Indianapolis Colts on the Texans side here. So Deshaun Watson comes in at QB seventeen with twenty three point two seven points, twenty three to thirty four, three hundred and eight yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Does get thirty two yards on the ground. This backfield continues to just be a complete pain in the ass. Duke Johnson RB eighteen with nine point one points. 34 yards on seven carries added, 22 yards on two catches. Carlos Hyde still gets the most carries, 12 carries for 35 yards. Uh, does really nothing in the receiving, absolutely nothing in the receiving game. RB 45 with 3.5 points. DeAndre Hopkins has a bounce back game here. Wide receiver three, 25.6 points, 106 yards, one touchdown, nine uh, catches. Probably should have had two touchdowns. Uh, Deshaun Watson got a... Oh, a whistle for a call early on him being down. He wasn't actually down. Debate on whether or not Hopkins fumbled it. He technically had possession of the ball in the end zone, so for me it was a touchdown. Uh, but regardless, he did not get the points on that because of the blown uh, play call. We saw Will Fuller get hurt in this one as well. We'll talk about that in a minute. Kenny Stills steps up in his place again. We saw earlier in the years we'll have a pretty good game with Fuller out. 105 yards on four catches to come in at wide receiver 20 with 14.5 points. So Hopkins bounces back. Looks like he is back. Um, it's two good games yep. in a row. I'm trusting in Hopkins. I'm not really worried about him anymore. But Will Fuller, we, we've seen he really has had a good connection with Deshaun Watts in the past couple of weeks. We saw a report come out, or at least I saw the report come out earlier today, not exactly specifying the hamstring injury, but that it was fairly significant. So I'm assuming Fuller is going to miss some decent time here. We saw when Fuller was out earlier, Kenny still stepped up and played really well. If Stills is available and you're the Fuller owner, are you going out and grabbing him and hoping he can produce something to close to what Fuller has done the past couple of weeks? I, you know, I, I don't know about that. He's, he probably feels like he has the bigger boom potential, but uh, Kuti was out there too, and both he and Stills each got five um, targets. So it wasn't a real big discernible difference. Um, yeah. Fuller is listed as doubtful. They said they're expecting him out for a few weeks. For me, the only one that I, the only two I'm really feeling comfortable and confident starting going forward are Hopkins and Watson. The backfield is too up and down. Oh, yeah. Um, I would like to see either Stills or Kuti distinguish themselves in the next game to where you th- you get a better feel. Because, um, you know, Stills, a huge chunk of his yards comes on a 45-yard bomb, and he's probably got the best chance 
at a deep pass, but, um, you know, how sustainable, it's kind of like the question of MVS, you know, he got three targets. He happened to take one for 74 yards. The other one had to have been 50 something. Are you counting on getting two long bombs in a game every game? If that's the way you're playing, you're, you have a lot more guts than I do. I think. <laughs> yeah. All right. On the on the Colts side here, Jacoby Brissett comes through big time for you. 26 to 39, 326 yards, four touchdowns in this one to finish his QB four on the week with 42.14 points. Marlon Mack disappoints a little bit. RB 21 with 8.6 points in this one, 44 yards on 18 carries, three catches uh, for 12 yards. Zach Pascal steps up big opposite of T.Y. Hilton coming in at wide receiver two with 32.1 points. Two touchdowns, 106 yards on six catches. T.Y. Hilton, 74 yards and a touchdown on six catches to come in at wide receiver 10 with 19.4 points. And then Eric Ebron returns to his 2018 ways. Tied in two with 17 points. One touchdown, 70 yards on four catches. Beautiful touchdown catch as well. Again, just pissing off Detroit Lions fans everywhere as they never saw that kind of uh, catch out of him in Detroit for the Colts I mean great win for them and Tony I'm sure he was celebrating all weekend at least one of us was was happy which is good uh Brissett continues to play well um I think really has kept uh, T.Y. Hilton as a top wide receiver asset as well which has been good if you're a a Hilton owner but are we trusting in Pascal we we've talked about this for years even when Andrew Luck was there we've always been waiting for this second wide receiver to step up opposite of T.Y. Hilton. Some people thought it was going to be Funchess when he signed that contract. I thought it was going to be Paris Campbell. Is it Zach Pascal? Is that someone we should be looking at as a flex option moving forward? To be fair, uh, Paris Campbell was out this week. With right, injury, yeah, yeah, he's been out for that a couple sound, weeks. That sound you can hear faintly in the background is the hearts of Paris Campbell owners everywhere breaking. Yeah. <laughs> um, Pascal definitely looked better than what we've seen kind of in this role because Carlos Rogers who's in the mix here had at one time had you know had some looks um I would like to see Pascal do it again but I think he's worth picking up um I think here's another situation where you, you might be having the offense kind of coming into its own and, and developing into where it's going to be um you know Brissett is growing and, and growing more confident in this role because you know we forget he really didn't have a preseason where he was game planning for this either because everybody thought it was going to be Andrew's team you know Brissett got to play out there but nobody was really preparing for that and I don't think he was preparing like that so it's kind of a new role for him it's good to see um you know Ebron another gut kick for me I finally gave up on any hopes of him regaining (laughs) last year's form and played Dawson Knox over him yeah, the, I, I so mean, I, I saw had, that touchdown and thought to myself, "Well, that's about right." Yeah, I mean, I had Dawson Knox going in a lot of games too this weekend. His clearly disappointing. I want to ask about Ebron though, because five targets for him, five targets for Doyle. We've seen that both of them have been fairly split throughout the entire season. Yet I cannot think of one time Jack Doyle has done anything this season. Is it time to believe that Ebron is the fantasy relevant tight end over Jack Doyle in this offense? But what does fantasy relevant tight end even mean? Uh, That's a good question. You know, I don't for know. this offense, we've seen them kind of equally splitting. We've seen them get receptions. Here, he got seventy yards, thanks in large, large part to the fact he had a thirty-three yard reception that goosed his numbers, and he gets a touchdown. So if you get that, you know, that puts you based on the position close to a tight end one range or in a tight end one range. But right. 
we've seen other weeks where each of them has gotten two or three catches and somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 yards. So yeah, I, I think they are what they are at this point in time. Ebron's not what he was last year. He doesn't have the opportunity. You know, if Doyle was out of the mix or if Ebron gets injured and is out of the mix, whichever one is left, you might feel much more confident throwing in there. But, you know, you're probably – people are probably playing both. I know I played yeah. Doyle in a league because he's a tight end that I've had that, you know, he was my tight end. And up until really close to the start of the regular season, we thought both of them were going to be good but yeah. for fantasy – um, you know, Brissett doesn't seem to look at tight ends the same way. And this was a game where running backs weren't really involved in the passing game. I think in weeks past, you've seen some of the, the passes that may have gone to tight ends go to Marlon Mack. So it's really almost like you have three or four guys in the mix with Hines and Mack and Doyle and Ebron running those, you know, kind of treading on the same kind of target territory. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. So right now on the year, Ebron is, is tied in 17 and Jack Doyle is tied in 25. They're, they're really not separated by much here. But what's interesting to me is, so Ebron has had two, what I would say is bad weeks. 1.8 points in week one and in week five. But outside of that, 11.5, 7.7, 11.8, and then 17 this week, where Jack Doyle has um, – 3 points, 4.1, 8.6, 12.2, 4.9, and then 5.10 this past week. So it seems to me like he's the one who's getting you consistent, like, low-tier points. And, and, and I mean, Hebron's actually been putting up decent points outside the two bad games. It's going to be interesting to watch moving forward. I agree with you, if, if either one of them were to get hurt, I think we see more of a return to what we saw out of Ebron last year. Uh, but if I had to choose one or the other, I think I'd go Ebron right now and just hope for that touchdown upside because it does seem like he's yeah. getting more of those compared to Doyle. Well, and that's the I think that's really the the difference. You know, he's had three touchdown games, so you know Ebron. That was a lot of what boosted his value last year was being like kind of touchdown threat. He's a big body in the goal line. So if you can get that, you know, that that can save your day. Yeah. All right. Before we get out of here, I want to, I don't know if you saw this on Twitter. Uh, so I want to get your opinion really quick. I already know what the answer is going to be, but I, I want you to amuse me anyways. So I, I was talking about how I just traded Kirk Cousins. I actually, this is a horrible trade now that you think about it. I'll, I'll ask your opinion of it. I gave up the Patrick Mahomes owner. Uh, we were talking back and forth after the injury happened. He was trying to get Jameis Winston and I was like, you know what? I'll give you Kirk Cousins. And, you know, mostly for me, because I am going to be playing Baker every single week, uh, just because I, I'm, un, for whatever reason, devoted to this guy, and I haven't quite figured out why yet, because uh, he hasn't proven anything this year. Uh, but uh, I decided to trade him for Dwayne Haskins and a second-round uh, pick in next year's draft. What, what is, what's your thoughts on that trade first? Um, well, I'm not a big fan of Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, I mean, um, But I guess we don't really know what we're going to get um, with him. He had such a small sample size in college. A lot of people thought Jay Gruden was holding him back, but it seems like uh, his new head coach likes him even less. He has him you know, behind Ke- uh, Case Keenum and Colt McCoy. Really, Washington, uh, you know, however Callahan feels, I think they owe it to themselves and to their fans to, in the next couple of weeks, put Haskins out there because you got to see what you got. Same reason I don't hold out a lot of hope that Drew Locke's going to change the fortunes of the Denver Broncos, but you got to put him out there and see what you got. Same reason the Dolphins put Rosen out there. So 
you know, that's pro- it's probably a toss-up trade because we know Cousins is in Minnesota this year, probably next year, and then what is his future either? Yeah. Um, you get a second-round pick. Right well, now it looks horrible. In a year, it could look like a home run win for you. Could still look horrible. Could look even. Uh, you know, I think you, sometimes you got to go with your gut. Um, you're in a good quarterback situation with Mayfield, who's a young guy who's going to be in there for a long time. Yeah. So Haskins probably would be a backup for you unless he's transcendent anyway. And you know, there's a reason he was a Heisman candidate through 50 TDs last year for Ohio State. Um, I just don't think he's in a great location. It's hard because Washington just such a there's so many franchises right now that just seem like pits of despair. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think they have a, a they have some decent weapons around them, and obviously we've seen what, what what Terry McLaurin's doing with really, I mean, Case Keenum. You could say it's probably replacement level quarterback. So we've seen what he's doing. I mean, I still believe in Darius Geis, even though he hasn't been able to stay healthy. You know, that offensive line will take a hit if they – which I imagine they're going to trade Trent Williams. I can't imagine they're going to hold on to him after everything that's going on. So they're definitely in a rebuild mode. If they get a decent, you know, offensive-minded coach, I think Haskins could be okay. I, I, in all honesty, did it mostly for the second-round pick. I'm just very high on a lot of players in this class. In all honesty, I might even draft a quarterback. That'll give me three second-round picks in the draft uh, in this upcoming class, and I like a lot of the quarterbacks coming out. I was also trying to trade for Josh Allen. Uh, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get him now, uh, but that's fine. Unless Baker goes down, I don't have to really worry about my QB position that much. All right, so that that was part of the team that uh, I was in an argument with someone because my team, uh, I'm sitting currently, what is it? What are we through? Six weeks, seven weeks right now, right? So what do I have? I'm trying to pull up my standings here. So I am sitting in sixth spot, the last spot in the playoffs at four and two right now. And the team that uh, I'm about to compare it to is sitting at five and one and by far killing everybody in points. And you'll know why when you hear his RBs. Uh, he has nine, 918 points compared to my 743. And he said that he had a better roster than my roster and has more depth. And there was a big fight about it. So I posted it on Twitter to just kind of get people's thoughts. So team one, is Gardner Minshew and Russell Wilson are his quarterbacks. His running backs, Dalvin Cook, Le'Veon Bell, Austin Eckler, Josh Jacobs, Latavius Murray, and David Montgomery. So obviously having Cook and Eckler, who are both sitting as like RB2 and 3 or 1 and 3 right now, it, it has completely killed him in points. Uh, wide receivers, he has Amari Cooper, DJ Chark, Devontae Parker, Tyrell Williams, and Marvin Jones. At tight end, he has Evan Ingram and Kyle Rudolph. And then it's a two IDP starter league. Uh, I don't know how much you pay attention to IDP, but uh, uh, he has Corey Littleton and Leighton Vanderish, who are both in the top 15 of IDPs, and then Jerome Baker, who's like 38th. Team two is my team. My quarterbacks, as of right now, are Kirk Cousins and, and Baker Mayfield. My running backs are Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley, Nick Chubb, Rex Burkhead, Mark Walton, and then my wide receivers are Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, Odell Beckham Jr., Josh Gordon, James Washington, and Auden Tate. My tight ends are George Kittle, Chris Herndon, and Dawson Knox. And then my uh, my IDPs are Shaq Barrett, Shaq Thompson, Blake Martinez, and C.J. Mosley. Uh, both Shaqs and Blake Martinez, top 10 IDPs, and then C.J. Mosley should be in the top 10, but because of the injury, he hasn't played since week one. Which team is better? Go. It's kind of uh, kind of tough, I guess. He has some, some good players. He has some players I like better, but I think your team probably uh, 
you know, it's hard to match the wide receivers, the top three wide receivers you have. Yeah. Um, he doesn't come close to that. Um, running backs, you know, I like Barkley, obviously, and Zeke. Pretty good. Cook's been incredible. Jacobs looks like he has some potential, and I yeah. still like Bell in that offense. So I'd say you're pretty even on running backs. Uh, quarterback, I like Russell Wilson oh, the yeah. best of all of those. <laughs> yeah. um, That's by far the best You have probably a better set. Tight end is a tough one because on paper you really like Evan Ingram, but I think we talked about earlier, just not – he doesn't seem to be able to consistently stay in the lineup and consistently produce. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I still like George Kittle. Obviously that game was uh, – Terrible for fantasy yeah, on Sunday with Washington yeah. with the weather conditions. but And Herndon probably was the biggest question going in. You know, he had some sparks last year. Then he was suspended to start this year and injured. Uh, you know, we haven't even seen him. I feel like he he's probably the most popular player in fantasy football right now because we haven't seen him play at all, and people yeah. have pinned all these high hopes based on what they saw. He's either going to be great or a disaster. Uh, but I, I think your team's better if he said his team was demonstrably better that's that's a tough case to make i don't even know eckler's a real question too because if gordon moves on we saw what he was and he's he's still there if they don't pick anybody else up or even if they just have justin jackson eckler really changed my thinking a little bit about what he could do as the lead back there with what we saw at the beginning of the season and even yesterday he's been pretty pretty good melvin gordon has not done much yeah uh with that role and you have to feel like he's pretty well gone if he resigns of course that tanks eckler but eckler almost hit almost is this year's james connor and that's what makes it a little bit tough yeah yeah i mean his argument was that he had the better team um mostly because of depth and his argument was uh when he talked about because we what depth what i'm sorry I said, what depth, though? I well, mean, like, wide receiver, if you're telling me Parker and Marvin Jones are your depth, I'm, I'm going to yeah. laugh you kind of so, off, the, off the table. So his argument is, is we only start one flex in this league. So his argument was he can start, which regardless of what you think of Eckler so far, and I do agree with him on this, he's proven that he's a top RB right now. I mean, we don't, yeah. we keep saying that Melvin Gordon is going to take this workload away from him. He's not going to be relevant, yet he's still been relevant every week. So I, I get his argument on that was he starts Dalvin Cook, Austin Eckler, and Le'Veon Bell every single week, or Josh Jacobs, whichever. I mean, Jacobs has been yeah. better than Bell. So even if you were to go with those three, uh, you know, as, as you said, and I even admitted it, it's, it's comparable to mine. I would still take Zeke and, and, and Barkley as the top two. But Cook would be right there. Like, I could argue Cook over Zeke. I, I could not argue Cook over Barkley. I mean, he was making the argument. And I'm like, but Barkley has been hurt, man. Like, you cannot make Cook yeah. as a better running back than Barkley. Uh, so if you want to even argue Cook over Zeke, that's fine. Um, I still think Chubb is right there in the discussion with Jacobs and Bell, though. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people, with him not even being used as much as he has as he was last year in Cleveland, he's still the RB6 on the season right now. I don't think a lot of people realize that, and that's with the bye week already added into the points from the running backs that have played. So outside of tonight in Bell 
And Sony Michelle and Bell is sitting, I think, at RB21. So there's no way, unless he has a huge game, he's going to jump to Chubb. So I was like, I still feel like I have the better depth there because I can do the same thing and play Zeke, Barkley, and Chubb every week. And then I'm still relying on, say, if it's just Adams and Hopkins, Odell is better than any of the wide receivers you have on your team, and he's on my bench. I was like, yeah. and so that was that was the argument we had going back and forth. I was just I was curious because, like I said, he he's talking a big game. I think because he is sitting at five and one. He's about to be in first place because the guy in first place is going to lose this week, and and he has made the playoffs once in our entire league. And that's my joke back at him was well. In the past four years, he's been a top three pick the past four years, so he has had time to build his team, where I've been in the playoffs every year, and I've been making trades and moves to get the team that I have. Like I drafted Barkley and Zeke, but that was because I traded away a ton of players at different times to get those picks to be able to get those players, so I've not actually been down there to draft them, if that makes sense. So it was just a fun little thing we were doing back and forth. I was curious to get your perspective on it. Yeah, well, and I would also say that his top four running backs, you probably have the biggest wide range of outcomes too, yeah. you know, because we've seen health uh, and injury issues for Cook, Bell, you know, Jacobs, we've wondered, is he going to hit a rookie wall? Because this is by far the biggest workload he's carried at this high of a level. He didn't have that in college. So, you know, where are you going to be at? And Eckler now has some serious competition. So he has the he has a wide range of outcomes for those people too. So to be able to definitively say his team is better uh, is a stretch. Yeah. And I mean, that was, well, that was also part of his discussion or his, his point was that a lot of people are just looking at the names on paper and not realizing that. And, And he does have a fair point here. A lot of the names that I have on paper are very sexy, but they really haven't produced. I mean, Zeke and Chubb have, and Hopkins has the past couple weeks, but, I mean, Adams, and again, he has been hurt, but really hadn't done much up until one game. And Odell has only had one good game. Kittle hasn't done much either. He's been decent, yeah. but not great. So that was his argument was, yeah, of well, course. And Tyrell Williams, for him, uh, has been much better than what I thought he could yeah, be. Yeah, uh, exactly. He's been and, in and there, he's but been he's out got too. injury issues now, too. And, you know, and, I mean, it's Amari nice Cooper. to bring up this argument for him on a week where Marvin Jones has four touchdowns. But right. see something like that again. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, like I said, I mean, I know you're a fan of Amari Cooper. I am not. And I mean, Amari Cooper's sitting at wide receiver three right now in the season. And that was his point was like, if you but actually. Cooper's can... a big boom bust guy, too. Oh, yeah. You know, we've seen a lot of booms so far. But, you know, as much as I love Amari Cooper, I'm a little bit more rational about the fact that you could very well end up with what you got last week, which was one catch for three yards. Now I know he went out injured, but yeah. we've seen those games from him. When he hasn't been in oh, here, yeah, we, just because uh, we saw it against Marshawn Lattimore again, the Saints in a couple weeks ago. I mean, OBJ has that potential too. I think yeah. that's where people have gotten that. So, uh, you know, it's an interesting season to compare. Yours looks a lot better if Walton ends up getting that job too. Oh, I know. Uh, Oof, you I'm know, hoping. as a starter, I'm hoping. Or if AJ Green gets traded. Um, you both have a couple of guys that probably have disappointed. I mean, James Washington, I thought this was going to be oh, a huge yeah. step up year for him, and he looks like he might be the fourth best receiver on his team still, which is kind of a bummer, especially since if he was going to have a golden opportunity, it's when the college quarterback that you made headlines with ends up being your professional quarterback. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, I have, uh, I have a bunch of other wide receivers. Those are just my top guys. We have taxi squads. So, like, for instance, I have yeah. I have Preston Williams, Deshaun Hamilton, and Antonio Callaway on my taxi squad. So, like, I have the right. I have wide receivers. And I'm, I'm actually kind of higher on Preston Williams right now than I am James Washington. I got, in all yeah. honesty, got Washington, Washington Tate and Mark Walton actually all off the waiver wire for, like, a couple bucks. So, I was just kind of – I'm grabbing – I grabbed those guys early and just hoping for the best out of them. But – uh Matt, obviously, thank you so much for for joining me to, to joining me today and telling me that my team is better than his because I agree with you, it is. Uh, and uh, I look forward to talking to you again tomorrow about the rest of the games. Enjoy the Monday night football game, and we will talk again tomorrow. Sounds good. Talk to you soon. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line ready. And he's hit the end zone. Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play? I can!